I'm very pleased to introduce our three speakers this morning. I'm going to let y'all just come on up one at a time. I just wanted, if you're new here for the first time, in our faith tradition, we are united not by a common belief or by a common creed, but by a covenant, that a sacred promise that we make to each other to support each other on our individual spiritual journeys and to work together to make the world a better place. Those individual journeys are fascinating, though, and make for wonderful conversation and wonderful community and wonderful ways for us to, to um, celebrate common ground and engage our differences as well. And so um, today we have three of our members, Cherry Groves Musawi, Robin Harris, and Juan Villarreal, who um, will speak to us about their journey, this I believe. So this is Cherry. morning. When Susan called me last week and asked me to do this this morning, I said yes without thinking. And then I hung up the phone and thought, what did I do? Because um, my brain turned on and went, ah. Uh, so then I started thinking about what I wanted to say. And I thought, and I thought, and I thought, I had a pen and pad next to the bed for those deep nighttime thoughts that would just come to me. Um, I was in a meeting, and I typed some things into my phone, kind of under the table. Um, more deep thoughts. I wrote lines and paragraphs. I wrote run-on sentences and sentences that ended in prepositions. I scratched out words. I scratched out lines. I scratched out whole paragraphs. I could not get this right, and I panicked. I procrastinated. I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought maybe I'd get the flu before Sunday. <laughs> uh, then it came to me that I was thinking. My beliefs don't reside in my head. They reside in my heart. I was having a hard time using analysis and words because my beliefs are not analytical or easily put into words, my beliefs involve feelings. Now, I, I work with numbers and, and legal explanations for a very, very good reason. These I can express. They involve rules and regulations and logic. Well, sort of logic, it's tax code. It's that, it's that black and white thing. But now feelings, poets write about feelings, and and musicians sing about feelings, and artists create works based upon feelings. Deep people are eloquent about feelings. There was no black and white here, and I didn't know what I was gonna do. I threw away all my scribbling and sat and listened to my heart. Please remember that I am neither poet, nor musician, nor artist. So if this does not make sense, Think of it as like some deep artistic expression like modern art or beat poetry. <laughs> I believe in God. Now, now, before I lose half of you, including my husband, uh, please understand that I've worked on and claimed my own definition of God. I grew up with the angry God of Abraham. I could never reconcile that with the loving teachings of Jesus. As I read and studied, I took classes and seminars, 
I, I taught religious education. I still fought with my definition of God. I didn't have a negative definition, but I didn't have one that fit. That Charlton Heston God I was given as a child didn't work anymore, and truthfully, I don't think it ever really did. Now, this is my concrete explanation of how I came to this um, from a conversation I had with Abbas this morning. This right here, we would call a table. But if I found it somewhere and flipped it upside down and decided it would be perfect for holding my fireplace wood, would I be wrong? If you came to my house and said, no, it's a table, you are wrong, and I said, no, it's for holding my wood, you're wrong, are either of us really wrong? During some particularly trying times, a friend asked me to write down what I would want God to be. This is where that came into play. I said, what? You can define your own God? I had been defining God by what it wasn't. It wasn't a table. It wasn't a log holder, but not what it was. So I sat down, and I wrote what I would want God to be. Caring, loving, warm, welcoming, an enveloping sense of peace and oneness. More of that sense than a being. My friend read my list and said, so that's your God. Your, it's your God. You, it can be what you want and what you need. Once again, I was like, whoa, you can do that. So here's what I believe, and it evolves as my understanding grows. My God, my beliefs are an interconnectedness. That each spirit is a part of the whole, the energy is neither created nor destroyed, but ever-changing and unending. Now, this is where the words start to leave me. Have you ever felt your chest feel like it was going to burst with joy? Even when you are just a witness to something, say, the first snow, or a child's laughter, or a beautiful flower, a flight of birds in the sky, a sunset or a sunrise. It is that unnameable sense that I get when I lose my separateness and my spirit links with something greater than myself. That is when I feel God. What about the difficulties of life, sorrow or loss, a child in pain, hungry or cold, a funeral or memorial saying goodbye to an earthly body, the death of a pet, the dark, damp days of winter, in these two, I feel my connection to God, the oneness of spirit. I have felt the greatest power of God in touching someone that hurts or in the warming presence of someone when I hurt. The sharing of spirit and energy is comfort and connection. When my heart hurts, to accept the compassion of another is to feel God. God flows like an unseen energy between and amongst us. It envelops all the living and non-living matter of the earth. 
and in the universe. My God and I, my beliefs come from here. I am part of something greater than myself, something that has been and will be, something to which I am a part of even when I feel the most apart and alone. I may not be able to express it well with words. Maybe someday I will, maybe not. Let me say, I may not truly know God, and I may never truly know God. But like sunshine, I feel God, can be warmed by God, feel God's effects without ever having an empirical understanding of exactly what it is. And I'm okay with that. Thank you. Thanks, Cherry. That's a, kind of a tough act to follow there. <laughs> um, and I thought it was very articulate and describing it. Um, my name's Robin Harris, and um, I was asked by Barbara to talk about my spiritual journey, so I'm going to attempt to do that myself. Um, uh, uh, like Cherry said, uh, this is a language that is difficult for me, and it's difficult to put into words. I... Um, I'm originally from Southern California, and um, uh, my uh, father and mother uh, both did not have traditional uh, religion. It was not in the home. I didn't grow up with it. Um, my dad is an uh, uh, industrial psychologist and uh, uh, always stated that he was an atheist. Um, my mother um, was raised Catholic, but... Um, uh, did not uh, agree with the concept of original sin, and when she got old enough, she pretty much uh, left that behind. Um, so in many ways, when people talk about being raised with a angry God, I, I didn't have that. Um, and uh, I've talked to people about that, and they say, oh, well, you know, good for you. But I, I, I guess for me, um, in a spiritual sense, I was kind of the tabula rasa, just kind of a clean slate and had to kind of start from scratch in my spiritual journey. Um, uh, my parents divorced in 75 and, um, and uh, on my 16th birthday, my uh, father and his new wife uh, gave me a present um, and it was to go through transcendental meditation. Um, and uh, I would have preferred some form of transportation on my 16th birthday, um, but that was not in the cards. Um, I tried to have an open mind about it, even though I was 16, and, um, and, uh, and for the most part, uh, following that, I didn't really uh, meditate. I, I always remembered my mantra, um, but... But I kind of went through life kind of devoid of any kind of religious affiliation or uh, anything along those lines. Um, then I, I moved here and I turned 36 and I uh, tripped on a flight of stairs and found um, a tumor in my side um, that was diagnosed as a fibrosarcoma, a rare form of cancer. And at that point in my life, I felt like I needed something, and I needed something quick. 
that I was, my life was devoid of belief in anything greater than myself, and I needed to connect to something. Um, that brought me in these doors in 1999, um, and uh, I did not find the magic pill um, or the belief that was going to get me through that difficult time in my life. Um, so I, but it did start my spiritual journey. I came in and out through this church. I've always believed in the principles of the Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, that never was in question. But in terms of a personal spiritual journey, this was something that was very difficult for me. Um, my Later in life, my father actually uh, connected to Self-Realization Fellowship um, under the teaching of Paramahansa Yogananda. Later in my uh, mom's life, she considers her a Dao herself a Taoist and uh, it, it, um, is very uh, connected to the Tao Te Ching. I, I have tried to find in the Dhammapada and the Tao Te Ching some kind of way of uh, spiritual growth within myself. I had a lot of difficulty with that. You know, uh, water seeks its own level. Okay, I can buy that, but how does that, how does that translate into my own spirituality? Um, then I uh, started reading Eckhart Tolle um, and The Power of Now, and I felt like it gave me some tools um, in addition to my meditation to kind of take me on that journey. Um, and so I would say that going from the tabula rasa to today, that I have moments. I have moments in the now that I feel like I connect with something greater than myself. Um, it is hard to put into words, but it is um, when I am very much in the moment and somehow the boundaries of self and, what, and all living things becomes more diffuse. That's the only way I can put it. Um, I feel this, and I wish I could hold on to those moments, but they, they come and they go really quickly. Um, but I can tell you that those moments have occurred uh, when I look at the ocean, um, and I'm fully present in the moment, when I'm holding the hand of my loved one and watching a sunset, when I look in my dog's face and I see the love in his eyes, these are the moments that I feel most connected to a power greater than myself. I don't know if it's nirvana. I don't know if it's God. I don't know what it is. Um, but my journey has taken me from nothing to something. Um, so I'd like to close with one of my uh, favorite quotes from the Tao Te Ching. Um, there is a being, wonderful and perfect. It existed before heaven and earth. How quiet it is. How spiritual it is. It stands alone and it does not change. It moves around but does not on this account suffer. All life comes from it. It wraps everything in its love as in a garment, and yet it claims no honor. It does not demand to be Lord. I do not know its name, and so I call it Tao, the way, and I rejoice in its power. Thanks, and Happy New Year.
I, uh, on the way here, I, I like to talk, so on the way here, I kept saying to myself, uh, remember the bard, brevity is the soul of wit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I came, uh, I was, um, I came from a Christian, Christian tradition, uh, but uh, not the one you might think. Uh, I was Catholic. I was born in Cuba, and as a child, I attended uh, Catholic schools. And because uh, anybody, any middle-class person would go to a private schools in Cuba, especially for the primary grades, because the public schools were not very good. So I, even as a child, though, I always had trouble with religion. I, um, most of my religious education at the time was focused on, uh, remember this is 1950s, on, on remembering uh, uh, and, and reciting prayers. And I was the third grade, the last time I did that, fourth grade. And I really, uh, none of it really had any meaning to me other than I wanted to make sure that I was uh, accurate because the priest that was listening to my oral recitation was also my teacher. And there's a lot of pressure there. On the way to catechism, I always would go by uh, some uh, Protestant Sunday schools. And... They seem to be having a lot of fun in there, <laughs> coloring and talking. And catechism was not like that in 1950s with uh, my very conservative priest. But anyway, I, my immediate family, uh, they were not uh, religious in the traditional sense. Uh, I never heard discussion of God in my home, other than when things were kind of rough, people would (laughs) invoke God. But that's the only time. Uh, My parents were very anti-clerical, so anytime I would come home and say, the priest says this, my dad would take me outside and say, you know, he's just a guy. (laughs) So anyway, uh, we prayed uh, at home but not on a regular basis and my grandmother was a little more uh, more um, con- consistent uh, going through the common rituals but really it didn't happen uh, everybody in Cuba went to public schools that had the capacity to go to, uh, uh, financial capacity to go to private schools. So, and the best schools were the the Catholic schools in general. And so that's what even poor people would save their money to send their kids to Catholic schools. Although some of them didn't believe, some of them believed in Santeria, which is a religion, an Afro-American religion. And, uh, but anyway, uh, we moved to the United States 
And uh, when we came to the United States, my parents said, you know, I think public schools are good enough. And I was in the fourth grade uh, when that happened. And um, we never went back to church again. Uh, Till I was around 16 years of age and had uh, some of the problems that 16-year-olds have. And uh, my father's boss suggested that, you know, you live in the U.S., those kids, those kids, my sister and I, they need to go to church. They need to go to some kind of a church. So my dad said, well, he'll go to church. We'll find out what church. He happened to be from the Church of Christ, the original Church of Christ. They went from Tennessee and very fundamentalist church. So I remember sitting with my mother the first six months, and I would turn to my mother and I said, you know, I don't know why we come here. I know you don't believe any of this. And he said, yeah, I don't believe it. But you know what? They're steering you to a clean life. And that's good enough for me. So there was not no discussion whether it was valid, invalid, none of that. Um, I was amazed with the, with, with the Church of Christ. Uh, for the first time, religion, religion meant something to me because we got involved on Sundays going to visiting old folks' homes and trying to make a change. Uh, it's true there was a fundamentalism involved with it, uh, which means uh, no of anything, no drinking, no dancing, no going to parties where, you know, tried to go to parties within the church exclude the real world out and uh, but uh, it was true that that I felt a sense of that I belonged and there were uh, very happy years in my life till I started to go to college and when the hard questions came uh, things didn't go as well it was the 60s it was civil rights it was the war and I made myself, my feelings uh, heard, and I even remember pulling, I'll never forget this, pulling a little quote that I found from Galileo which said, I do not feel obliged to believe that the same God who has endowed us with the sense of reason and intellect has intended us to forego their use. Well, that didn't go well at all in Sunday school. Slowly I departed, and I had a lot of friends there who were very nice to me, and uh, the church uh, deacons and uh, preachers were very nice to me. So I have a lot of also good feelings, but I just didn't want to be a complete fraud, and I left uh, little by little. went on to uh, 40 years later. Let's jump to 40 years later after I left. Uh, I remember that uh, in, in the office, at one time I was, I was up for a, a job that I wanted, which I didn't get anyway, but I wanted the job. And um, I, they asked me in a luncheon, 
some of the people in the, in the hiring committee asked me what I believed. And if I said, if I tell these people what I believe, I'm not going to get that job. These were very, very conservative people. And I said, you know, expressing my beliefs in this environment, they're going to think I'm either immoral, satanic, and maybe un-American, which really didn't fit. I went ahead give that. But anyway, uh, let's jump all the way to when we come to Shreveport. Didn't go to church for 40 years. Uh, come to Shreveport, and I've told this story before, so please forgive me if you've heard it, because it's the truth, and I can't change the truth. My wife used to pass by here and see the old soul sign. And uh, she had remembered that her mother had told her that the the UU people were pretty cool. And uh, although she was raised a Catholic, by the way. And uh, one day she was playing bridge with the very conservative friends, and conservatives, I mean, underline, uh, playing bridge, and they asked her, uh, What church do you go to? I go here, I go to the St. Matthew's, I go to the Baptist, First Baptist. And Jeannie, under pressure, said, I go to the Unitarian Church. So, since she wanted to keep playing bridge at the bridge house, <laughs> she came, she came and, uh, uh, to me and said, guess what? He says, we're going to the All Souls Church. <laughs> so I said, I'm not going to church. I haven't been to church in 40 years. I'm not going. I don't need that. I don't know what I'm going to find there, but I'm surely, I know I'm not going to like it. So I, I told her, you're on your own. But here I am. <laughs> Little pressure at home works. Uh, when I was first walking in the church uh, for the first time, there somebody had a sticker. I don't know who it was, but had a sticker that said, the Thomas Paine sticker that everybody knows, if you bumper sticker, that says, the world's my country. All mankind are my brethren, and to, good, to do good is my religion. And let me tell you, I think I thought immediately, I think I'm headed the right way, because I can understand this. Uh, I met Ron Thurston, who's not here today, who is one of the nicest men in the world. And he was the first person to talk to me about the church. And me coming here, has a lot to do with Ron Thurst. Because if I said, if the rest of the people, anybody like him, or anything like him, he said, this is, I, I think I'm going I'm to like it. Anyway. Uh, later on, uh, I kept thinking, as I learned more about the church, this, by the way, which is the original that I got like six years ago. <laughs> this you can find up in the table up front. Just a little reminder of why you come here for me. And one of the things that convinced me to come here, this little piece, kind of ratted little piece of paper, is very important to me and I always carry it. Because when I feel something coming on, maybe I'm unhappy with, 
I pulled my little paper out and I said, well, I think I'm going to the right place to heal my soul. Um, the church addressed matters of the world. Uh, justice. Inequality. The church is the teacher's compassion. Regardless of how troubled, how troubling a person may be. By the way, I have to quote that. It was Peter Huff who told me that. And maybe give me a chance to become a better person. In closing, I want to, since I kind of dumped them, the Catholic Church, and a little bit, I want to say that uh, I think Pope Francis has been listening to our podcast. <laughs> I can see him on his computer going. This is what he said not too long ago. Since many of you do not belong to the Catholic Church and others are non-believers, from the bottom of my heart, I give you this silent blessing to each and every one of you, respecting the conscience of each of one of you, but knowing that each one of you is a child of God. Hey, I almost cried. That was not the church that I came, that I started with. He's been listening to our podcast.